It is, in fact, the most wonderful time of the year. Hello, everybody. My name is Paul Boyer. This is Philly's Therapy. This is the first week in December, and you know what that means. It's winter meetings time, baby. We got things happening. Well, we assume. The Phillies haven't done much yet. They've done a couple of small little things, and they've seen a couple players leave. We'll get to that in just a second. But the winter meetings taking place this week. They actually started yesterday on Sunday, if you want to count the Hall of Fame election. And they run through Wednesday, concluding with the Rule 5 draft out in beautiful San Diego, California, which we all got to familiarize ourselves with last month. And who is out there? None other than the, the thawed out from his cryogenic freeze of rest out there on the beat, back boots on the ground. Mr. Matt Gelb at The Athletic. Matt, hello. Welcome back. Everybody missed you terribly. Not much happened, huh? No. No, you got lucky. <laughs> you <laughs> got really lucky. lucky. I just timed yeah, it did. right, you know? That's, no, uh, that's uh, luck. It's it's good. It's, uh, yeah, the last time I, you know, the last time I took a few weeks off, the Phillies fired the manager. Uh, <laughs> but no, it was good to get some time at home. Uh you know, reintroduce myself to my family. And, uh, you know, there's been a little bit of action in baseball. Like I, I, the DeGrom contract is, is a is mm-hmm. pretty interesting uh, with ramifications for the Phillies, just as it relates to one of their division rivals, the Mets, and the fact that they won't have to see DeGrom. Although, how funny is it that they'll see DeGrom <laughs> yeah. on opening day because on the Phillies open day. up in Arlington <laughs> against the Rangers. Yeah. That is really funny. Uh, uh, I assume he'll start opening day. I mean, I, yeah, I would, I would assume. Um, but That's uh, a word for it. You'll see him in that first series, no matter what, uh, in, <sighs> in Texas, and uh, that's kind of funny. But yeah, there's been a little action around the edges, and, and I think uh, I think we could see some transactions here in San Diego, and maybe not not necessarily Phillies transactions. Uh, maybe there could be, but I think there will be some action in the sport. Just in talking to some people here, getting in yesterday, uh, it, it there's there's a lot of uh, big moves to happen that will trickle down and sort of you know I think thaw out uh, the rest of the market uh, for lack of a better word and mm-hmm. i don't know that it's been moving slow necessarily i mean i think i, I it's interesting like the, this rise do you do you remember when this started i mean like there was there's this rise really of like teams are now like meeting with players like are, are going to go meet with players and that, I, that that to me is a very like nba thing it's a very like nfl thing i don't really remember it being a huge mlb thing before like the bryce and manny winter I mean, I know teams hmm. would always go meet guys, but now it's this like big thing where like teams are publicizing you know, it. Not even, yeah, and not even meeting, you know, meeting with like second or third tier guys, you know, too, and 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 uh, you know, doing more than just like having calls or like giving their pitches or whatever. But uh, yeah, it's been a lot of meetings. Brandon Nimmo is here in San Diego. He's going to meet with teams. Um, the Phillies uh, have met now uh, with all four shortstops. Okay, that are on the market and. Uh, we can talk about the shortstop market dynamics a little bit, um, but uh, not much know, has really I, I changed think, there since the outset, right? Like there no, isn't not a whole much lot has changed. new. Yeah. No, and I think uh, <clears throat> I don't think that I don't know that it's like the Phillies are doing people a favor, but I think they know that it benefits them to keep all doors open, and they also know that it makes 
everyone else happy in the shortstop market that they are staying uh, connected to all four. And okay. maybe that's difficult to explain, but uh, all, all those shortstops want the Phillies connected to remain connected to them to help their market um, because it's very clear the Phillies need shortstop one. And it's yep. very clear too, that the Phillies are going to spend money. Uh, yep. And as long as the Phillies are connected to those guys, uh, that helps their markets. And I think the Phillies, uh, maybe if they're not necessarily interested as much in all four guys, I think they uh, showed a little good faith by meeting with all four and showing, you know, that they're relatively interested. And that does keep, um, that keeps those other guys happy in case you have to fall back in case something happens and you have to fall back and you got to sign one mm-hmm. of those guys it's not as if those guys feel jilted it's also like oh look the phillies um are maybe are indirectly helping my market anyway uh, even if they're not really interested in signing me does that make sense sure i mean it flexibility is always good not just from a financial standpoint right like you mentioned this all, all four of these guys are going to get paid handsomely you, you would think i don't i don't anticipate another Correa type deal, you know, a pillow with a short opt out like that doesn't really seem like it's coming, although we've been surprised before. Um, and it makes sense to to have that flexibility of, of choice, right? And and of good faith, like you were mentioning, because, yeah, things could change here. You know, maybe the Red Sox wake up and they're like, oh, yeah, actually, we do need to keep Sandra Bogarts. It just makes sense. And they up their offer and then it just doesn't make enough sense for the Phillies anymore. And, and voila, there's one off the board if he is secretly their top choice. We don't really know. I mean, we figure Trey Turner is the top choice, but it's hard to go wrong with any of Turner Correa or Bogarts. I mean, Dansby Swanson, I think, is regarded as the the fourth out of four in this group. He's not a bad player by any stretch of the imagination, but I think most fans and prob- probably the team would be happier with one of the other three guys. But there are other teams in the bidding here. You figure, you know, the Giants are looking to spend a lot of money. If they can't get Aaron Judge, well, then maybe they pivot to, you know, a Correa or maybe a turn, something like that. So things can change. And it's good to leave those doors open. It just makes sense because you don't want to just totally zero in on this one target, set all these expectations. It's kind of already happened with Turner. You know, everybody's zeroed in on this guy from a fan standpoint. You're like, okay, it's Turner or bust. And I don't really think that's the way to look at this because there are other good players out there and having that flexibility having those options, keeping those doors open, it could really only benefit you as the market changes because there could be an unexpected move that happens later today for all we know that changes their approach. Who knows what that might be, but it's good to be ready for it. I think you've identified uh, one of the major factors, you know, one of the major dynamics in this market, and that's the San Francisco Giants. And it's mm. not necessarily directly related to shortstop. It's that uh, – I believe the Correa market, I think the Twins are really, really interested in Carlos Correa. I think the Twins are a strong favorite to re-sign Carlos Correa. But if the Giants do not sign Aaron Judge, I think that they could sign Carlos. I think they would they would be very strong uh, players for the Correa market if they don't get judged. And then that makes the Twins, uh, you know, back in the market probably for a Bogarts or Turner possibly. Uh, Bogarts especially, I think. Would, would be the Minnesota fallback there. So the, the Giants are someone to really watch. If the Giants do strike out on Judge, uh, I think they could really pivot to Correa, and that could free up the Twins, who, who are who are really interested in Correa. I think they want to bring Correa back. I think they'd make a strong offer for Correa, from what I hear. Um, so that that is that is definitely a, a, a factor here. It's not that the Giants are going to – are major players who are shortstop right now, but uh, 
they have money, and if they don't get Judge, uh, I think that's somewhere they could go. So there's a lot of factors at play, uh, and some of them are directly related to shortstop markets. Some of them aren't, but uh, I, again, I'd be really surprised if, if the uh, if the Phillies don't sign a shortstop, uh, if they don't sign one of those four shortstops. Um, everyone has their preference. I, I do believe the Phillies' preference is Turner. I do. Um, mm-hmm. Kevin Long has a lot of influence in, in this organization uh, in their acquisition strategies, and we've seen it play out uh, just in the last year uh, of him as hitting coach. And uh, he, he's, he's close with Turner. Turner likes him. Uh, I think there's a strong relationship there, and I, I certainly think that Long uh, has, has, made his, uh, has, has put his input in, and uh, I think that that weighs heavily in their process. I do. Okay. All right. Well, that that makes a lot of sense, and it 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 jives with a lot of the reporting and and whispers and rumbling and all of that from verified vetted sources, of course. That I think we've been hearing for the last few weeks. So it it doesn't really seem like a lot has changed necessarily. Can I, can I ask you one thing? Yeah, of course. Will the contract for will the contract of the Phillies sign a shortstop start? Will the number start with a three? The total. Um, I'm going to say no, but that it's going to be in the high twos. You know, the, the thing that's, the thing that's bopping around my head is one, I'm wondering, you know, with the competing agencies, you know, Boris versus I think Jeff, Jeff Berry. Jeff or CAA. Berry. Oh, and that's yeah. a huge, huge subplot to all this. <laughs> yeah. Really yeah. Is. Like, no, and that's why, that's why the expectation here is, is that these shortstops or at least Correa and Turner are very likely not going to sign during these winter meetings. Right. They, they, I'm coming into this thinking. This market is going to be a late player. No, there's a I chance. Don't know. If they get, if one of those guys gets mm. a three, you know, gets the three hundred, I, I think they could sign. Okay, all right, interesting. Now, see, I, the thing that's been going in my head with either Correa or Turner, I, I think Correa's got a likelier shot of getting a longer deal because he's younger. I'm seeing like, I'm seeing like eight two fifty popping around in my head and again that's not really based on any sort of comp research or anything like that i'm just trying to get a feel for it i haven't really dug deep into what these guys may or may not get but i don't feel like the phillies are going to top that 300 mark i do think i i I really do think that it is an interesting subplot like we were were just saying with the, the agents these guys want this top deal and that's not something we can just wave off and that's why I think it could take a little bit longer, especially if, like you were saying, that three hundred million plateau doesn't get crested, doesn't get doesn't get reached. Um, but that's something I don't really have a great feel for. I, I would love to see the market start moving sooner. I, I don't love waiting until February every year uh, to see a lot of these top guys find new homes. It's not great. It's not great for like action. It's not great for like the off season in general, especially with. The way the Phillies have been going the last couple of years, and and the the level of player that they've been targeting, and and the the weights that have led to probably at least other kinds of ripple effects in their offseason strategy, because you you have to plan so much around a major acquisition like this that some other things just have to be put on hold until it gets resolved. This this doesn't feel like it's going to be as drawn out as in the past. They've done Good. their meetings with these guys. You know, I, I'm getting shivers thinking about, you know, the Harper Machado offseason. It was it was oh, um, my from God. my perspective, a, a brutal few months. It was, it was just horrifying to try to, to just keep 
chasing it down. And if people read me, they'll remember I was working on, you know, like a, 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 a kind of a big story that whole off season, just kind of tracing, you know, getting people who were involved to just sort of fill me in, you know, during while it was happening, but to not be used, you know, until later right. <laughs> when somebody signed, excuse me. And it was just, but there was just so much mind games being played and it was, it was really uh it was a tough off season, but uh, I, I, I don't see that. Um, I don't see that happening here. I, I don't, I, I think, you know, I think there's an outside chance that something is resolved this week that maybe one guy does move. And I think because, you know, we're talking about four guys at one position and, 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 you know, only so many suitors for those guys, you know, if one guy falls, like it could, it could happen fast. It really could. Uh, so I, I don't see it being drawn out and you're right. I mean, they do have blueprints, Paul, for like how to handle this. I mean, they, they, they tried to make, you know, remember the Harper off season, they, they made all these other moves. Uh, sure. And, and then got the big fish at the very, very end, the most expensive one. And, and they found a way to make it work. Um, I, I do think they'd like to get the number locked in for their shortstop now so that they can go, you know, get the pitchers they need, uh, which is, which is just as important this off season, I think. And that's a nice little segue again, just to reset um, real quick before we get into pitching, because some things have happened on that front. Um, there are draft pick and monetary um, considerations not for Carlos Correa beyond the contract because he previously received a qualifying offer. But if you're talking about somebody like Trey Turner, because the Phillies exceeded the luxury tax, the CBT level last year, um, and Trey Turner is almost assuredly going to get a $50 million contract or more, um, there will be compensation picks added for the teams that lose the free agents who sign those picks. And the Phillies, for their perspective, they would have to give up their second and fifth highest picks in the 2023 draft, plus... $1 million in international pool money. And that repeats for every qualifying offer free agent they may sign. Now, you and I were talking just, just uh, uh, before we we aired this, that they are unlikely to go after two QO guys. So don't think about like a Carlos Rodon in addition to potentially a Trey Turner. But those are the stakes outside of the contract length and dollar value um, that you would have to keep in mind too. And what makes the, the Correa versus Turner debate, I think a little bit more interesting. Um, but that's just to reset the stage there again, no other real movement just yet, but you've given me a little bit of hope that maybe something happens this week. We'll see. Anyway, on to pitching. Uh, there have been a couple of moves there. You mentioned Jacob DeGrom going to Texas with that, that big five-year deal. That's a huge move for Texas. If he's healthy, he's otherworldly. The Phillies for their part lost 40% of their rotation, roughly, uh, with Zach Eflin going to Tampa Bay on a nice deal for him. Uh, three-year, $40 million deal. And Kyle Gibson going to Baltimore on a one-year deal just over the weekend. And so the Phillies, who have really had their top three locked in for a while now, you've known about Nola, who will also be entering a walk year potentially, Zach Wheeler and Ranger Suarez, now definitely have major league needs in their rotation. They have some internal candidates. Obviously, we've seen Bailey Falter take his turn. Not entirely sure what Christopher Sanchez is going to do, probably in the bullpen, but who knows? There's always the intrigue around Andrew Painter. Will he or won't he start the year up here? How are they going to manage his innings, et cetera, et cetera. Matt, what it all boils down to is apart from the shortstop, Big Fish, the Phillies have an interesting rotation problem to solve. There are innings that need to be picked up, and there are, are deals that need to be placed within the puzzle that makes sense, both for the immediate need of having guys who can eat innings, as well as 
maybe being able to make some room when some of these younger guys are ready to come up? What what does it look like to you in the landscape of, of the starting pitching situation as far as the back end of the Phillies rotation is looking? I think they're open to different ideas, Paul. And what that mm. means is I expect them to sign a quote unquote, you know, mid rotation kind of guy, a, a, a guy who is a higher tier than what Kyle Gibson, for example, you know, a, a, a higher tier than that. Um, and, and I know that's not saying a lot because by the end of the season, Kyle Gibson was not in a tier, um, <laughs> but a mid rotation guy, I, I think a guy who profiles, you know, as a, Four could be a three, you know, kind of like towing that line and depending on what your definitions of that, of that guy are. But, um, and then I, I think they could sign someone else too for the back rotation. I, I think their way of keeping a spot open for uh, Painter, Abel, McGarry, et cetera, uh, is possibly by not having a traditional five-man rotation. Like, I think that, they have to keep all ideas open, and I think they are. I think they know that Painter, uh, they like him a lot. There are people in the organization who think and he should and can break camp with them uh, in the major leagues out of spring training. And if he does do that, uh, they will have to find a way to get him through the entire season because he won't make 32 starts. He won't pitch 180 innings, and he got – they, they pushed him last year for a reason, Paul. Like He got over yeah. 100 innings and he got to the end of the season, and that was for, for 2023, period. Like That was why they did it. It was all because of that, and it was because they thought he could handle it and because they wanted him to pitch in the majors in 2023 and to get as much out of him in the majors as they can. And I, I do still think that's the plan, but I think the way to do that possibly is by adding – two stars and one of them will be a mid-tier caliber and the other one maybe is a lesser you know number five type veteran you know i think bailey falter does figure into a lot of what they're trying to do here uh he's a guy who can uh you know give you a start every fifth day or he can swing between the bullpen and the rotation i think he's going to be on the team i think he's going to be used quite a bit um i think they find a way to do and you know i think what's on the table is sort of an untraditional rotation plan that Mm. lets them you know uh also gives give a little space for Nola and Wheeler who are coming off of, you know, Nola, especially you really got to, you got to hope that, you know, the workload doesn't catch up to him. He's, he's pitched mornings and started more games than any pitcher in baseball since the beginning of 2018 season. It's what been well-documented. Um, he's, he's, he's a workhorse. He loves the workload. He loves to pitch. Um, you want to make sure it doesn't catch up to him. You know, Wheeler finished the season, you know, compromised, uh, fatigued, uh, Suarez got pushed to a career high, like all these guys, like there will be, you know, ramifications from that. And you're looking for ways to make sure that the, you can lessen the, 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 the blow of, of, of a really long season. And, and I think that plus the young guys coming along and not being fully, fully ready for a 32 start season in the majors leads them to think about different ideas, different, different arrangements. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm looking at a list of starting pitchers, um, on MLB trade rumors. And this is just, you know, for, for reference, it's, there are a lot of interesting names, not a lot of really good names, <laughs> which I think in a weird way benefits what this team is trying to do. You know, you're just mentioning five, potentially six man rotation for a stretch. We're going to have, uh, 
you know, prospect inning limits, likely workload management to, to handle, you know, like a, a midseason option situation, probably to free up the spot and, and give them rest. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if that sort of thing happens, but I'm looking at this list and I'm like, okay, so who fits that bill and who is that right Goldilocks mix of, you know, veteran, I guess is, is the adjective we can put out here. Uh, old enough that they're not really looking for a long deal and could probably fit on a one-year deal and was not great, but also not terrible enough to make you go, why would you guarantee them money? You know, I'm looking at these guys and, and names like Michael Pineda, who was good for a second and then was just has been bad. And then Mike Miner, who similarly was was good for a minute and has lately been not good. Um, and then the guys like Jose Quintana, who were fine, but maybe pitched well enough to get a multi, like a two-year deal out of this. You know, he's 34. I don't really know. And I guess this is why they pay everybody else the big bucks. I don't really know what the play is here because there are interesting names, but I don't know who fits the description of what they're really looking for to make this rotation work. You know, there have been some people who are like, oh, Jamison Tyone makes sense. Jamison Tyone's probably going to get a three plus year deal. You know, Carlos Rodon is is out of the picture, most likely. Uh, David Price is retiring, I believe. Andrew Heaney has probably garnered enough interest that he's going to get a multi-year deal. I'm just wondering, sort of an open I, I question. Wouldn't rule out, I wouldn't rule out a multi-year deal for this kind of mid-rotation okay. guy. I really okay. wouldn't. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. <laughs> now, what I would rule out is I, I don't see them. I, I don't. I think that, you know, m- money is not much of an object. You know, money is not an issue for them this offseason. They, they're... Mm-hmm happy to spend i i don't see them i, I real I, I haven't heard this for sure i've heard enough whispers to, to know that i don't think they want to sign two qualifying offer players and that okay. that's just for the draft pick and the penalties because there are regressive penalties if you do sign a second one um you, you'd oh, be yeah. giving up quite a bit of draft capital you'd be giving up international bonus money it's just it's too much i think on the other end on the acquisition on the amateur acquisition cost to give up um, and, and let's not forget when the Phillies got into trouble, uh, you know, in the, in the early 2010s, I mean, it was just because they weren't, you know, they, they were feeding the major league beast and they were doing a great job of it, but they just weren't, they weren't doing a good enough job of, of, uh, in the amateur realm. And, and it was because they had sacrificed some picks and just, you know, hadn't picked well, et cetera. So I, I think, I think they're very, very attentive to that. And I know, People look at, you know, see Dave Dombrowski and it's like, well, he doesn't care about that. It's like, actually, you know, he, I've, I've come to understand that. Like he, you know, yes, he, he likes to, he likes to go for it in the majors and likes to get stars, but um, he, he has held on to most of the Phillies prospects and I expect him to do that again this off season. He hasn't come in and just traded every prospect. So I think that that is a bit of a misnomer on him. So I don't see them signing two qualifying offer players. And I do think that um, they would rather use the qualifying offer, you know, bullet on a shortstop. Uh, and, and that probably takes them out of like Chris Bassett and Nate Eovaldi. I, I don't think they're those guys, those guys hypothetically, like, you know, without the qualifying offer, they're, they're really good fits in the middle of the rotation. I think, although Eovaldi, a lot of red flags last year, like they, they scouted him pretty hard at the trade deadline. They were interested in, you know, in him as a, as you know, for that Syndergaard role. Um, and it just didn't, there wasn't a fit, but, uh, I think Quintana, Tyon, Heaney, um, they, they all fit in there. Ross Stripling's a guy uh, I, I think could, could kind of fit in there. There's a lot of injury questions about him. Um, 
I would rule out like Syndergaard. I don't think he's like at the top of their list, but I, I wouldn't rule him out necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um, Taiwan Walker's another guy, you know, possibly for the middle of the rotation. So there's guys, um, and and I and I don't think it has to be on a one year deal. I don't think it will be a one year deal. I think that the mid rotation guy they sign will be for a multi year deal. It's that other guy if they do want to go sign another pitcher, you know, for like a a veteran type, like you know, really more in the you know the Gibson realm, like a one year you know, veteran type guy to just help you in the back and maybe give you a little, you know, <clears throat> the chance to have a six man rotation, et cetera. Um, that's, that's a one-year deal for sure. So there's guys for the middle. And, and I think this is where there could be action this week, this, this middle of this, um, you know, starting pitching market, especially when, if, and when Verlander and Rodon come off. And I think that could be this week. I think that's where we could see some movement here in San Diego. Now that DeGrom is off, the Mets are under a little bit of pressure, the Mets are, are definitely the movers in this market, you know, wh- whether they, you know, what they decide to do, if they want to sign Verlander or Rodon or both or none, um, that will influence the rest of that rotation market. And I think that that could be resolved. Some of that could be resolved this week. I, I was very surprised to see the Mets not end up retaining DeGrom. I, I would have thought they'd have matched that offer. I, I There's a, probably other things going on there, but I, I think that now kicks in, you know, what you were just talking about, the Mets being the movers here and most likely prioritizing some kind of move um, that affects the rest of the market. It wouldn't surprise me at all, you know, just from the outside figuring, you know, the way things have gone so far with them, what they have and have not done. Um, uh, that wouldn't surprise me. That all makes sense. So I guess then thinking ahead, thinking ahead to Wednesday, the Rule 5 draft is wrapping up. The meetings are concluding. Everybody's taking their their plane rides back home. What is a reasonable expectation or what is what is a a possible end of the week end of the meetings look like for the Phillies? What, what, what are we what are we liable to see at the end of this week here? Is it less than a 50 percent chance this shortstop thing happens? More likely that they just address a starting pitcher. What what are you looking for at the end of Wednesday? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, I don't know if I can put percent chances on it. I don't know enough to put percent chances on it. Yeah, that's fine. I think I think uh, I think you'd like to see them make headway in the rotation situation, and if there is movement in the judge market, then there could be some shortstop resolution. I think what they're waiting. I think what what would make the Phillies happy is if there's movement at the top of the. Uh, rotation market and at the judge market because that would trickle down and, and allow the Phillies to probably uh, get closer to the moves they want to make. We feel like judges setting the AAV benchmark for everybody and then it just kind of works from there. Well, no, it's not even that. It's just more about there being a resolution to what the Giants might do. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like if Judge if Judge goes back to the Yankees, then all of a sudden, okay, there might be some shortstop moving because all of a sudden the Giants might not be players for Correa. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, or if Judge goes to the Giants, then okay, now you know, maybe the Correa goes back to the twins and then, okay, here we go. Shortstop shortstops are on the move, you know? And if there's resolution in the Verlander market with the Mets or with the Rodon market, then all of a sudden some of those uh, next tier starters, they start to go, uh, they start to find homes. Interesting. Okay. Well, we may see some stuff more along the lines of, uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention this. The Phillies also claimed outfielder Jake Cave, over the past few days, uh, added him to their 40-man roster, which I believe at the moment of our recording stands at 38. 
uh, with some. Oh man, we got a rule five draft this week. Yes, we do. Uh, Eric Miller is among those who are who are feel likely to be picked by another team. I don't think they're going to lose anyone. You don't think they're going to lose anyone? No. Hi, my hot take is that I don't think the rule five draft is going to be very active. This is their first rule five draft uh, with the new roster rules. Did we talk about this? No, not in depth. Uh, this is this is the first. There was no rule five draft last year, uh, right. if you'll recall. And this is the first year where there's a rule five draft, and you have these roster limits. Right? There's only 13 pitchers uh, on your active roster, and uh, I think it's going to be really, really hard for especially a pitcher, a rule five pitcher, to stick for an entire season. And there will be teams that try it and do it. I mean, look, like the the you know the Pirates and the Orioles and the Reds, like the Rockies, like they're probably going to, you know, they're almost always will be drafting in, a, in the rule five. Like those teams will take a rule five pick and they'll try to carry him. I think it's going to be really hard for, for rule five picks, much harder than it used to be. It's always hard. It's hard though. You know, and people who aren't familiar with the rule five, you take a guy, he's got to stay on your active roster for the entire season, the major league roster. Um, he can be hurt. They can put him on the IL and teams have done this, but uh, I, I don't know that they're going to lose anyone. Uh, they might, and if they do, it, it's probably Miller because um, he's left-handed, but uh, some medical questions there, I think, about his durability. So I don't know. I don't think they lose anyone, though. I don't know that they're going to pick anyone either, um, hmm. but I love the Rule 5 draft. <laughs> <laughs> we, we all have our sicko things. No, it, the Rule 5 draft is kind of fun. I, I do like that it's there. It's one of those checks and balances within the league that kind of makes sense again for, for those of you who may not be familiar and it's entirely possible you're not if you're listening to us I, I feel like you've heard the term rule five draft before but you may not know exactly what it is the rule five draft is put in place um, to allow teams the ability in both a major league phase and a minor league phase to actually draft minor league play well to draft players from another organization who are not on the 40-man roster and there are other conditions you have to meet in order to be eligible for the draft. Basically, it's a way to allow uh players Blocked the ability to players. get oppor- yeah, 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 to get to for players to get an opportunity so it's not, you know, sort of like a soft reserve clause situation where they're just trapped in an organization forever. It allows other teams who who may find, you know, an area of need and can't sign, won't sign a, a, a major league free agent to pick somebody up if there's a fit, you need to have the open 40-man roster spot, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And also, like you mentioned, it, it's hard for these players. Like, they're usually not on a 40-man roster for a reason. Like, especially the Phillies, a team who has open 40-man spots to not add somebody like Eric Miller. There's probably a reason there. We don't know exactly what, blah, blah, blah. Um, it's hard to find, you know, the Shane Victorinos of the world anymore. That doesn't really happen. Shane Victorino also was offered back, so it's not as if they got that right immediately. Uh, <laughs> but, but, like, it, it's, you know. You're right. It, I mean, it, I don't even know in the last 10 years. I guess Akil Badu was, like, the best Rule 5 pick, right, in the last, like, five, 10 years. It's it's, it's become harder. You're right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the, the Phillies, you know, interestingly, you know, were, were frustratingly early on Ender and Ciarte. I remember they, they ah, Rule yeah, 5 Tim yeah, before yeah. He, he broke out. Um, yeah. I think Car- didn't Carlos Tochi get rule five away from them by yeah. Texas. Yeah. Um, I was thinking that's rule five pick, like period in baseball. Like, Oh yeah. I mean, well, I mean uh, like um, he was, and even him, I like, he was, he was good for his rookie year and then he was terrible. Yeah. And then he regressed, um, you know, the only one I think of is Johan Santana, you know, however many well, years yeah, ago that way was, back. but you were talking, yeah. talking about like in the last 10 years, it's become harder like no. to your point. Like, you know, there, there are fewer victorinos. They're just, 
it's, it's harder to find those guys. Teams have gotten much better at identifying uh, potential breakouts, identifying guys who um, are traditional Wu five picks now. Like teams are like, oh, this guy's going to get picked. Let's protect him. And the Phillies mm-hmm. have trended toward overprotecting in years past. Um, I would say that they did not do that this offseason. No. There were guys, a couple guys I thought would get at it, but they didn't. And I think that does speak to the dynamic, Paul, that I, I just think it's going to be, I think it's going to be less picks. And I think it's, or even if there are picked, um, you'll see more guys return in spring training. It's just going to be harder for teams to carry Wolf five guys. And that just kind of, that, that, that sucks. Cause like it does diminish the spirit yeah. of the, of the draft, which uh, like you said, is to give some guys opportunities and um, you know, I don't know. One of those. So the, you know, the other thing that's happening here is the is the lottery, Paul. Yes, yes. I was you, you read my mind. This, but yeah, no, lottery. no. The teams that did not make the postseason all have a shot at picking first overall. The Phillies did not. They will pick 29th in the first round by virtue of uh, reaching the World Series and is that what it not is? winning. No, is it the? Yeah, yeah. Wait, they get yeah. the 20? No, isn't it by the yeah. record or no? No, it's it, no by postseason finish. So they pick is 29th really? and Astros pick that. 30th. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and so the that. the teams that did not make the playoffs all have a a descending probability of landing the first overall pick. And the Phillies, regardless of who they sign with all these draft penalties we're talking about, the, this first round pick will not be touched. That's one of the changes that was made recently. I can't remember exactly how many years ago, but the the maybe it was at the institution of of the qualifying offer. Anyway, the Phillies are not at risk of losing this first round pick. They will pick 29th. Um, and I that's learned that something on this podcast. Do. Well, look, I am going to leave. That. I thought it was by the. I thought it was by record. I did not know that. I didn't look, know it was by I, postseason finish. I, I am, I am going to leave this in here. I am not going to edit it out. I am, I am certainly scrolling no, a page as I'm looking right. at this. No, you're right. You're right. Oh, there we go. Right. Yes. Right. Okay. Yeah, right. right. So they picked 29. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So that's fun. So the Phillies picked 29th, and and the, the Rays picked 19th, even though the Phillies had, one game on them. That's fun. Um, but yeah, the 18 teams that did not make the playoffs um, all have this chance. The top three teams, well, the top scare quotes, three teams uh, all have the same chance of landing the first overall pick. Those are the 100 loss Nationals, Athletics and Pirates. The 100 loss Reds, sad to say, only have a 13 and a quarter percent chance. I can't wait. I can't wait for something weird to happen and for people to automatically. I mean, because like I'm an MB, I'm an NBA nut. And like, you know, of course, everyone oh. the lottery. The lottery <laughs> is fixed every year, right? Or that the league, you know, David Stern. The frozen envelope, had, yeah. Yeah, David Stern always had, you know, had 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 his decision of who he wanted to have the first pick. Um, I don't even know. I mean, it's, you know, the NBA is obviously different than MLB. It's like, I don't even know. Who, who's the first pick in the MLB draft next year? I don't even know. I don't think anyone knows probably, right? Is there, mm, is there clear? I don't know. No, I'd have to pick. ask it's other very people. different than the NBA where it's like, oh, LeBron is like clearly, you know, the right. number one pick in the next There is no Wembenyama in this, <laughs> in, in this pool. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I can't wait for all the conspiracy theories when um, somehow like, you know, the Rockies, because Dick Monfort, you know, is a, is a very loyal <laughs> owner. Uh, to the league he oh, ends boy. up winning the lottery or something you know tomorrow or is it today tomorrow whatever it is um, i can't wait very excited for that that it is tomorrow i don't know at what time i i'd be interested to see if if it is like a live ping pong ball situation or if it is <laughs> sealed too. in envelopes i, I like, don't know I what don't it's know. gonna be I i'm sure know. it'll be ridiculous because it's major league baseball and they don't ever do these well It'll be it'll it'll be fun. I ho- I hope it's like televised. I just I want to. I think it's televised. I, I want to see the I want to see the ping pong balls. I do. I want to see it happen. I don't want to see envelopes. Um. But anyway, yes, that's happening this week. The all MLB team for those of you who who like to focus on things like that. Uh, that is being announced later today, Monday. 
Um, uh, there's no real, there's no real stakes with that. I don't, I don't even think. <laughs> I don't even know. I don't. Wow, you're going really deep here. All uh, yeah. MLB. No, there's 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 nothing really <laughs> happening there. I don't even think it's in anybody's like contracts as an incentive. Is it? Like I don't I don't think so. I think it's just uh, there. I, I I don't I don't think so either. Yeah. I don't know if they get anything for it. I have no yeah. idea. So th- yeah. so there you go. There's that distinction. I don't even know if it's tracked on like baseball reference pages. Like we're we're going real deep here with things happening. But those are the, like the really only fixed events. You know, everything else is fluid. Nothing else has a real set schedule during this week, at least if you're not on site as a like job seeker or whatever. I the only winter meetings I've been to was back in 2010 and I went as a job seeker back then. And they in 2010, they were down in Florida. They were down in Orlando. Um, yeah. Swan or, and Dolphin. Yes, yes, yes. Terrible um, place. It would, <laughs> look at, as a as a 23 year old with with world conquering ambitions, it, it felt like I was important and it was nice to like be there and, and you know, see Bruce Bochy walk by fresh off a World Series win and like. You know, like we, they we probably bumped into each other, not and not knowingly. It, it's entirely possible. I mean, that was that was a, a meetings of cold emails from me trying to speak with people, and um, I remember actually one of those cold emails was a, a request to to talk to to your colleague uh, Keith Law, who was with ESPN at the time, uh, back when I was writing for Phillies Nation. That was one of my first like feature. Did he respond things. to your email? Yes, he did. Yes, he did. And we, we talked for a few minutes about the, the oh. state of the, the Philly system. It was actually really nice of him. We've actually we've 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 stayed, you know, friends uh, over the years, passing music recommendations back and forth. It's funny how these things just sort of evolve over time. Anyway. Uh, hi, Keith. The, uh, <laughs> the 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 winter meetings are, are fun, you know, for me, even if a lot doesn't seem like it could really happen. Uh, there isn't a whole lot of, you know, pomp and circumstance, really, uh, at the end of the day. But that's kind of what's exciting about it to me is that something could happen at any moment. You know, this move that we've been waiting for or a surprise trade or a hashtag mystery team situation could really just pop out of nowhere. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And it's it's tough for me. Well, tough, not really, because I love this sort of thing. But uh, being on the East Coast with the winter meetings happening in a West Coast city is something could really happen at any time. Um, And so I have to stay vigilant with caffeine handy. Uh, But anyway. Matt, you're on site. You're going to be there, boots on the ground uh, for anything that may happen, may not happen. Hopefully, stuff does happen. We'd like for we'd like for there to be things to talk about. Um, yeah, that'd be good. Yeah, uh, we'll check in again at the latest by the end of the meetings, probably after our favorite rule five at some point, um, just to sum things up, see how everything went, thumbs up, thumbs down, get the lay of the land, landscape. Um, after all this has gone down. But yes, the winter meetings are back. They are in person. The Phillies are there, as you'd expect. And there are moves to be made. We'll see if they make them. For the Athletics, Matt Gelb, I am Paul Boyer. Let's get a shortstop.